that's definitely the sort of journey that I, I found myself on through failures and successes. Being a business owner, I really feel like that journey has been a very spiritual sort of personal discovery and personal development path. And it's definitely contributed to me feeling happier in my personal life too. And I think that that's in the core of everything that I want to talk about and do with my platforms today is really what it means to come to your authentic self and to live your authentic life, to get to know yourself better and being able to reflect that back onto the world through your business. Welcome to Tangents by Out of Architecture. Out of Architecture is a career consulting firm helping designers apply their incredible talents in untraditional ways. We're highlighting some of our favorite stories from the amazing people we've met along the way. We will hear how they created a unique career path for themselves from the wide variety of skills and talents they developed in and out of architecture. Our guest today is Sarah Collada, founder of Disrupt Symposium. Here, Sarah share about how she took the challenges she experienced as a business owner to create a life that truly aligns with her strengths and passions. Thank you, Sarah, for being a part of our podcast. And to start, I really would love to ask you, how would you describe yourself in three words? Hey, so yes, thank you so much for having me. I think that the three words I would choose would be adventurous, curious, and daring. I love that. And I'm really excited to hear the story behind all of those words. So why don't you uh, give us a little context for who you are, what you're up to? Sure. So I'm an architect and I graduated from Central St. Martins in London and I went to do an internship in, in China. It was the first experience of working for a practice. I was extremely excited to go there, but somehow it wasn't my best experience ever. I didn't really fit into the team and the sort of office dynamics. I don't know if they liked me too much, but I took that experience quite personally at a time. And I thought that actually maybe I just don't, I'm not the best worker. I was quite offended by how they were checking the time between my arrival and how long I took for lunch. And I just didn't feel too free to express myself. I didn't feel I clicked with people. And also there's just a strange dynamic between sort of the senior architects and the newbies where I think that there was overall competition between people. And I, I thought that it came from a very deep place of disempowerment. What I initially would have expected is that I'll look up to people that were above me as role models and want to be like them. And in reality, I was like deeply shocked to the core as to like, oh my gosh, they don't look happy and I don't want to be like that. So that was one part of the story. It was sort of me ill-fitting and I think you know at a time because it's my first experience I was like what's wrong with me basically like why can I not find my place in this and not enjoy I'm not enjoying the work I'm doing so I didn't realize at the time that it was probably because I have a very entrepreneurial nature and I love to do things on my own and I feel a deep sense of passion when I wake up in the morning to create something that I dream the world to have or to be or and apply my 100% into it, whether or not I make money. <laughs> like that's basically what it turned out to be. But I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't even know who an entrepreneur was. And so I, th I think I just thought that I'm a really bad worker or maybe not liked. 
But on the other, on the flip side of it as well, the projects that we were working on, there were collaborations with really big architecture practices, extremely famous architecture practices within the China context. There is huge development. I mean, things are happening so quickly. You know, we were just doing like artificial islands, putting some crazy buildings on them and everything was just happening in mass scale. So I wasn't just designing buildings or facades, but like urban planning nonstop. And it was incredible to see how big the projects were, the design concepts, but also how the land was just like sort of destroyed for putting those projects there. And, uh, you know, there was a certain disregard towards local communities that lived on this land and things like that. And it's not to blame the particular practice I worked for, like everyone was doing that. And I really got affected by once stepping into a little community in the center of Shanghai. I was just extremely curious, what is that place? It was sort of like guarded by walls and there was a lot of people living there, like slightly overpopulated quarters, so to speak. And I, uh, I was saddened to find out that those were the people that originally occupied the area and then got squished into this one quarter. And because of poverty, they actually lived extremely in poor conditions. There was like one toilet to use for several families and it was leaking out onto the street. And that was sort of the, the shock of what the gentrification and urbanization of China has cost to people. And I really felt for that. And I thought that that's sad, considering also that those usually were farmers and people that knew how to utilize nature, work with nature, either for food or again, shelter. And so it was just sad to see that that sort of connection is being more squished and lost and that humanity is more leading towards distraction of nature and the principle of living with nature. And that, that really sort of touched me. So I think after that experience, I decided to move into humanitarian sector and work with projects that felt meaningful to me. And that sort of started a new journey where, in fact, very soon after I became a business owner myself. What are you up to these days from the China projects to now? You know, that again is a whole a lot, a lot of story to tell to arrive where I'm at today. But I think that essentially a lot of who I am is developed on frustrations with the industry and whether it was, you know, related to meaning of projects and what I was engaged with or just the way the system and the structure is set up and how design helps or does not help in reality. But yeah, like I eventually I ended up setting up my own charity. I moved to Central America with no Spanish and very little cash in my pocket and just started a new life there. I lived there six years and we've done a bunch of humanitarian projects, but also started working for private clients. And that was a tremendous experience of actually trying myself out as a practice owner and hiring people and taking responsibility for salaries, but also failing at many things miserably because I didn't know how to really deal with the finances, manage finance. I wasn't profitable and it was really hard to be profitable with the projects that I was picking up and with the clients I worked. You know, again, very passion driven, but actually... I was a little bit disappointed on my inadequate knowledge towards the task that I, I took on. And I thought at some point that there's no coming back from it. I mean, now I have tried to be a business owner. I've done that. I can't imagine myself going back to work for someone else. In fact, the only thing I can do is learn about business and just be better at it. And so before turning 30, I actually gave all of that up and went into studying business. Today, I am here, which is, I have a platform called Disrupt, and Disrupt focuses on 
basically education around business in architecture. And we ask questions as to what makes us successful, um, how to run a practice, how to have the right mindset, how to create equitable teams and distribute the role within the office, what creates valuable business, you know, and a lot of things alike. And we do that through conferences and through publications and podcasts and now a magazine as well, because Disrupt is going to become a magazine. That's what we're working on. And so I'm very excited and I love what I'm doing. And in fact, just came off a call with an amazing architecture office out of South Africa that in fact has been a client of Disrupt from the beginning that we launched. And it was just amazing to find out about them and hear what they do. And I just feel that I'm learning from every single person I speak to about business and practice operations. I'm learning new things that I actually sometimes take notes and I want to apply into my own business too. So I love that sort of journey that I'm on of learning and really kind of discussing what a business of architecture is, you know, and it really is all the way from sort of systems that you can set up that are very easy to, to sort of copy to mindset, which it's more about refining who you are as a person and what makes you unique and understanding yourself better. I think that's very important. And that's definitely the sort of journey that I, I found myself on eventually, like through failures and successes. Being a business owner, I really feel like that journey has been a very spiritual sort of personal discovery and personal development path. And it's definitely contributed to me feeling happier in my personal life too. And I think that that's in the core of everything that I want to talk about and do with my platforms today is really kind of talking about that, what it means to, to come to your authentic self and to live your authentic life, to get to know yourself better and being able to reflect that back onto the world through your business. But again, like also to allow yourself to be frustrated and not to be ashamed about it, because I honestly would not have been where I am today if I didn't fail at a lot of things and also try to figure out why, why was that a fail and constantly ask questions and openly speak about the fact that I failed as well and own it. And it wasn't always easy, um, but I think it's really important for us to step into that sort of curious and inquisitive mindset if we want to grow. So this is kind of in a natural, I guess, what, where the journey ended for me and where I am today. Thank you so much for creating all these resources and sharing it and being passionate about that, because I feel very similarly to how you described starting work and then just not fitting in and everything feeling wrong. And then ultimately questioning yourself, like, why does it feel so wrong? It is related to not wanting to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but also not having any resources to guide you along the way. And I'm really glad that that motivated you to help fix the situation instead of saying, oh, it's not for me or I'm going to try something else. But it's like, no, this needs to be better. Absolutely. And, you know, there's just so many things I could break it down to things as boring as the fact that I actually discovered I hated to be a cat monkey. I'm absolutely not fit for that. And in fact, when I started my own business, I never touched a cat. I always asked people to help me with that. And I was just coming in and saying, change this world. Change the world. I hated it. And I still do. You know, it's I, th I think for me personally, it was less about asking, you know, I don't know this. Can you explain? but more about actually admitting that I hate what I'm doing. You go to university to be an architect and you learn all those skills, including CAD and technical skills, but then also creative. And 
sure enough, by inspiration and an idea of like where you fit in, you have an idea of like what you could be doing and what projects you would love to do and, and what sort of setting you would like to work in. And then you go into practice and all of that sort of disappears because something is expected of you. And it might be something along the lines of what you actually don't like to do and where your personality is sort of slowly disappearing. And in that point, there are two paths. One person will feel ill-fitting, not enjoying themselves, but they'll push through saying to themselves, maybe I have to be better at this or I need to fit in better and I'll learn to do that. And somehow they do mold in. And another person, whether they know it or not, says, okay, this really feels bad and I need to figure out where else can I go that I'll feel better about what I'm doing and enjoy my path better. And you know, this is I think that moment where sometimes the decision is so crucial because it's about who you become in the future and perhaps it's an opportunity to be an entrepreneur and create your own reality, create your own projects, create your own business, make money from what you love doing. And if you don't follow that path, that is uncomfortable because in the first place you have to turn around and say, actually, I don't like what I'm doing or I don't like what this career turned out to be. And I don't know where I'm going exactly, but it's worth it to go into that unknown and figure it out for myself because I'm so young and I deserve a life of happiness. And that is the crucial point. It's like, if you don't make that decision and you try to mold in, sometimes you might find yourself that you're trying to make it work and you're trying to make yourself happy in this, but it's not fully fulfilling. And that feeling will never go away. So even though it's not easy and I think it's very scary and there's a lot of like actually emotions of like almost failure and no uncertainty, which definitely is not how we want to feel in life. But I think that through that, something beautiful can happen. And today that we are more exposed to ideas like this, to conversations like this through this podcast and other forms, I think it's important to tell people that when it feels uncomfortable, it's also an opportunity for you to actually ask yourself like, what is the reality you want to live? And what else could I do to combine my passion in such a way that it can also bring me money and fulfillment? Absolutely. And that is why we have this podcast. If you work in a traditional office, you are surrounded by people similar age, probably similar experiences. You probably all feel some sort of like uncomfortableness, maybe. Like I've spoken to so many people where they share similar feelings, but you are never having these conversations in the office. So it just seems like a really, you know, kind of miserable place at the end of the day. I like how you were saying that this uncomfortable space, but also when things start aligning, it has a beneficial aspect to your life while you're kind of growing in this hard place. It's not easy to grow, but it also has the benefits of it. So what kind of thought processes do you have? Like, like what kind of conversations do you have with yourself? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, of course, that evolved because I think that over time, the more I was, you know, not giving up on myself, I think that's the right word to use. It became more and more clear that at the end of the bad feeling, something good can happen if I walk through it. And as I learned that, now I am a little bit more daring, I think, and a little bit less stressed to go into the unknown because I know that it can bring, actually what it can do is bring me closer to my center and who I truly am. And when you align with who you are, how you want to live, and you don't hide parts of yourself anymore. I mean, to me, it's a definition of freedom, personal freedom. And so I'm actually 
excited now to step more and more into my own freedom. However, you know, I define that. Coming back to your question, like in respect of, you know, actually being in that, it's as scary as it can be because sometimes it might mean you're not making money for some time because you're figuring out that job isn't good for me. This is not good for me. Maybe I'll try something new. So it might be, you know, affecting you financially. It might be also emotional because your family might have an expectation or perhaps the industry has an expectation for you to continue. Like, do you know many people that are allowing themselves to take a year or two or three out of architecture to go to travel or whatever, and then come back in and not be somehow ashamed or uncomfortable about the fact that they had a gap in their CV, you know, that sort of stuff. So I know that it costs something, but as your question, those beliefs, that, that sort of are limiting us. Like, why would it be a bad thing that I take a time out? Why is it a bad thing that I figure out what I like and don't like and actually be able to like follow the path that I'm interested in? Like, why would it be bad? I think in the old way in which we navigated through our career and architecture, we always wanted to like have that continuity and fit a certain mold of like what's expected from us as we're moving through that career. But today, I think that empowerment is found in being able to question like the status quo within the industry and saying, you know, this doesn't suit me. How can I make it better? Or can I find a place that is more accepting or uh, more aligned with my values? And can we talk a little bit about money? Because this is a career for us. This is a profession where we try to make a living from it. I understand that you create opportunities for architects and you work with them to really help them profit from their abilities and work. What did you see that wasn't working and where did you see where you fit into the equation? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that my relationship with profitability was that I always imagined myself being able to live a free life. And what that meant is like, oh, I want to travel and I can afford it. Or I want to do something like, I don't know, pick up an expensive hobby like skydiving, which I do and be able to afford it. I think that I always felt uncomfortable with not being able to just go and do what I want to do because of money. And unfortunately, in my 20s, when I started the charity and lived in Guatemala, I struggled financially. And so perhaps I had a beautiful life there because of being constantly in the tropics and, you know, fulfilling myself also on many levels by working with the community, building and running projects there. But there was definitely that sort of discomfort around finances. And I couldn't imagine myself living like this in my 30s. I just wasn't wired to stay poor. So on one hand, my heart can follow something that is uh, my passion. I don't really look at profit. But on the other hand, there is like maybe a personal buffer in there that like to make me happy, I need to have a certain amount of money that like I generate in order to be able to pick up my pleasures and not struggle. And yeah, I take it quite personally, actually, if I can't afford something, to be honest, I think that I am absolutely capable to make money. And so why why wouldn't I be able to do something? So it is quite a personal thing for me. And I think that, you know, hitting 30s, one of the reasons why I stopped doing the charity work was just like, okay, I, I can't imagine myself continuing like this into my 30s. I want to have money in my 30s. And so I will learn how to do better business. That was one. And then I think that through all of this, most interesting is that I discovered that it's not some kind of woo-woo. And, it, you know, it's not really about being materialistic. It's more about actually 
understanding where your limits are. And I think money very much so, like I spoke about this internal buffer, it's a little bit of like our conditioning. We take it from our parents. We take it from our environment. You know, who associated maybe a negative feeling to earning money because of some type of pain point or trauma that happened to us. We might be inclined to actually not want to make money. And otherwise, you know, sometimes we might have a unhealthy relationship with money as well because of pushing ourselves too hard or, you know, having to prove something to our parents. And that's just what happens anyway to everyone. Now, when it comes to architecture, there are problems such that, for example, globally, architecture doesn't pay us enough. We don't get education in business from school. So therefore, oftentimes we might not really know how to price our projects, how the projects generate money altogether. We might not be familiar with using the right tools in order to actually manage our budgets throughout the project. And then also, I think soft skills, like we might lack an ability to negotiate well or be able to, for example, face objectives in the sale when the client says, oh, that's not really what I like when I wouldn't want to spend money on that. If we don't know what to answer to that, that would be still encouraging and develops a deeper relation with the client. But we close off and feel uncomfortable with the moment we heard an objection. It's the moment where we can lose a sale and therefore lose a possibility of working on a great project or maybe even fulfilling ourselves as a designer through that project. And so I think that I certainly felt that I actually lacked enough knowledge. So outside of like the sort of psychological conditioning around money, there was also education like that I, I felt I didn't have. And I got quite inspired by learning about it. And in fact, there was a certain amount of just pure knowledge of business finance and management that that's resolved a lot of the discomfort. But then also watching and reading books about entrepreneurs and watching mindsets and seeing how people move through it, you know, even reading things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is all about the mindset of money. I think that it was really interesting for me to navigate through and actually define what it means to me personally. So profitability is important in our industry because we are actually trained visionaries. We know exactly how to take an idea and execute it through building, which I think is much harder than doing it through business. And building a business is very similar of a path to building a building. You know, you have to apply an economic layer. You have to apply your, you know, create a time schedule of milestones that oftentimes manage a team as well. It's just that the outcome is a business, not a physical building, but the process is, is very similar. And so I think that in order to fulfill ourselves creatively in architecture, we need to be making money as business owners and even as employees, we need to navigate through what is worth to us. And so personal worth equals also financial worth, actually. And so learning that and moving through those sort of psychological boundaries, I would say, and conditionings, but also learning more about it. And so I guess what I'm trying to do with Disrupt is really divide that into many different aspects. Because when we talk about profitability, it connects with the way you communicate yourself. It connects to how you see yourself. It connects to physically how you measure your success on the piece of paper, actually, you know, controlling your finances, but also how you run leadership and how you train people and how you collaborate with people and build teams. And so, in fact, all the business aspects somehow connect to it. And so on the Big Disrupt stage, we talk about those topics in general, 
And in personal mentoring uh, sessions, whether working one-on-one with architects or through masterminds, we basically are breaking it down to a little bit more of a personalized tone of working. So perhaps it's not as generic as it is through publications and disrupt. But in fact, it really leads to many different elements, I would say. To learn to be profitable, it's not just to learn about finances. It's so much more. And I think that we shouldn't shy away from those topics anymore. We live in a time where, you know, we have a freedom of speech so much more so now because of social media and because of internet. And we're exposed to a lot of ideas, a lot of different lives. And so we can navigate through that by being inspired, but also actually being able to tap into that knowledge. And that's fascinating to me. You're actually responsible for your own growth today. You can't really expect for school or for the practice you work for to educate you on certain things. You know, it's your personal responsibility and there are resources put in place everywhere around you. So therefore, I really advocate for that, like take personal responsibility, you know. And, and the knowledge will come, all of that knowledge, whether it's like technical or self-skill knowledge, it will come. Yeah, there's more access and resources now more than ever. And the conversation around all these things and not just like, oh, paying your dues. That's so like old school at this point. Do you have any advice for people who are kind of at this turning point in their lives where their priorities are probably shifting? We're all getting older at this time. But I find that a lot of people are leaving architecture just because it's not sustainable anymore. The pay is not working for them, the hours, the need to be in the office, or just like the rigidness of the way that people are working or the companies that they're leaving the profession. But it's not because they don't enjoy being an architect. It's just because they need a better structure in their life. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, the one thing I can say is that is the most blessed state you can be in because the moment when your inner self talks to you and says, listen, the environment I'm in doesn't suit me. I'm not happy here. Like I should be somewhere else. That is the most powerful place you can be in because it's, it's you yourself saying, I want a different life and I, I deserve it. And to be fair, it's like I said before, it can be very scary because that might be equaling you losing your job or having pressure from the environment on the outside, or maybe even giving up on something you dedicated seven years to study and being like, okay, actually, I don't want to be an architect anymore. That is so hard. I mean, I went through that. I didn't leave architecture and that's also an important thing. And I think that I know what you guys stand for within out of architecture. And it's not really all about, hey, just drop out. You know, it's about finding your own passion. And you can combine it also with architecture. I think that, you know, it's it's great to advocate as well for remaining in the industry, but doing it in your own way. So going back to answering your question, I think what I would say to people is, first of all, kind of honor that stage that you're in because it's beautiful and actually go all in. I know that it might be scary, especially if you end up being cut out from resources like financial or otherwise, but Really asking yourself where you belong and what what is the perfect job that you could be doing is so important at that stage. So I really believe in sort of vision boards and writing down your intentions and figuring out what you want with everything because the worst thing you can do, and that applies to starting a business or designing your career, is not really knowing where you're going. Like if you're setting up on a trip, you know, you always have a destination. And then 
you plan how you get there. And so have that destination. Don't be ashamed or afraid to say that, you know, where you want to be is something really far away from where you're at right now, even if you have no idea how you're going to get there. So I think don't settle for less is the first thing and have that vision. And if it's just, you know, something like changing a job or working in a slightly different industry, that is also a great goal. And so therefore define it first and then finding a way to get there. There's a lot of different ways, you know, let's just say you can walk it, you can bike it, you can fly it, you can, there's many different ways. Take different actions to get there. And I think, so try different things, talk to people about it, like what you want and where you want to go to, because sometimes it's not really about how you get there, but like who can help you out with it, you know, like who you can ask for, I don't know, a connection and advice and email to someone, maybe someone knows someone. And so be open to that. But I think the moment you know where you want to go, that's literally like all your success already there. <laughs> and then getting there, something happens in magical ways. And, you know, I certainly have experiences of that on a daily basis where I'll just dream about something happening and then it randomly comes to me. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I didn't even have to actually put effort into making this happen. It just did because I knew I wanted it. And I think that that's the sort of powerful ingredients. So first of all, don't be afraid of being in that place. And second of all, like know where you're going and where you want to go. And if it takes time to figure that out, take that time because you can take it now when you're 20 something and in your 40s, live your dream life, make money exactly from your passion and what you want to be doing and like never look back. And it's worth it to take that year or two or whatever time it takes to figure it out at that stage. Than then having to shift careers when you're already responsible for your children or family or it's so much harder down the road. So and then again, you know, if you're if you find yourself at that stage in your 40s, again, the sooner the better. Honestly, <laughs> the sooner the better. Did you know this is what I want to do? Like I want to build this business for helping architects. This is interesting because I never really said I want to run a conference platform and have a magazine. But I said, I want to work remotely. I want to do what I love and I want to make easy money, basically. And to be fair, exactly what I wanted happened. And the way I'm doing it is like I wake up in the morning and I'm the happiest person to be able to open my laptop and interact with people, to have these interviews, to interview someone else, write an article, to organize this rap. I love doing that. I love working with the sponsors that are involved, that the opportunities that they also open up. And it's just, I mean, I'm so excited for the years to come because I think sky is the limit, but I've never done it for making conferences. I've never done it for building an online community. My goals were more like, I didn't want to be shy. I wanted to come out of my shell. I knew that I, I had a you know, I don't know, a gift maybe of speaking. I loved always to talk. I would over talk everyone in conversation. And it used to be like a thing where, where I felt uncomfortable about it. And now I work through talking. Like, I love that, you know, it's like coming to a place where I actually use my, you know, advantage or disadvantage for some people. Talkative people can be tiring. Um, but if you do it through business and, you know, you, for example, engage with so many conversations and get on calls a lot with people in the evening, I like to quiet down. I meet my friends and we just go for sunset, kite surfing and relax. And I don't really even seek to express myself through words so much, but I love the fact that I can be myself at work. And so I guess when I was figuring out what I wanted to do, 
it was more the way I wanted to live my life. And I guess that's really where it started. And then the rest followed. So again, you know, it's kind of like tapping into that thing of like, what is the perfect life for you? How do you want your career to make you feel? Those are the questions I think that is the end goal, ultimate end goal, you know? And then the rest, it just kind of figures itself out, really. I think it's enough to say, I want to work remotely. It's enough to say, I want to make more money. Or it's enough to say, I want to allow myself every winter to leave for a month and have a holiday and just turn off. Or it's enough to say, I don't want to think about work under my shower. You know, those little things that basically create your everyday experience of yourself and, you know, define your happiness. They, they are really the most important questions you should be asking about whether that's how you want to live your life, you know, and the rest as to what you're doing from nine to five, it follows. It's not so important even anymore, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, I've heard Jake and Erin say like, what do you want your ideal week to look like in a year's time from now? And it's not that you're working towards that, but I think when you acknowledge to yourself or say it out loud that this is what I want in my life. And then when you see the opportunity that comes, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't align. So I'm not going to take that. Or like, yes, I love that for myself. What did the first steps towards this path of owning yourself and your voice and what were the steps that kind of started this whole process in motion? So many. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. I don't think people even realize, but actually I started my Instagram and my LinkedIn and my YouTube only about two and a half years ago. I hated social media, like genuinely hated social media. I hated the way it made me feel to scroll down Instagram. I felt like my life wasn't good enough because other people were traveling more or having more or this and it's just like oh my god I, I I did not enjoy feeling that way and then also I've never really been the type of person I wanted to show up it makes me so uncomfortable when people try to compare themselves to me and whatever so I I didn't post on social media at all I didn't have accounts I didn't go on them and then when I started to get into this whole like digital business with was just like social media social media social media and so the hardest thing was for me to even start and figure it out. And I still completely suck on some platforms. Like I've actually had a conversation recently with Jake and Aaron to say, like, I don't even know how to do my Instagram correctly. And now as I achieved some success, I actually have been ferociously hiring for people to help me live that because it's my absolute nightmare. I will take photos and I travel a lot. Like this year alone, I've been in Bali. I've been to the Greek islands in Spain. Japan, now I'm in Colombia and, you know, I'm constantly surrounded by waterfalls, Caribbean, like beaches, whatever. And I take personal photos, maybe not even like posing with an idea of this to be a perfect Instagram picture, but I never really think about posting it and it's been really difficult. But I came out of my shell and I said, okay, going to have to try it, even if it doesn't fully align with the way I imagine doing my day. You know, maybe I can hire someone for fiber to just go through the photos, select the better, the best ones, you know, filter them a little bit with, I don't know, Illustrator or what is it, Lightroom and, and send back the few that are good and then post those, you know, just finding ways in which I can do something in order to still do what I know is important today. And I certainly succeeded more with LinkedIn. I like the way the platform works. I love the way that you can interact with people. They're exactly the type of people I want to be talking to. 
Instagram is not necessarily like that. There will be a lot of people that are tra- like following you for different reasons. And it, it doesn't have that sort of direct engagement where you end up talking to people through personal messages. But on LinkedIn, almost every person connects with me, I will immediately start a conversation with, or they will. And so I meet people nonstop through LinkedIn. I love it. All my communities on there. And again, I'm not the best posting all the time and the best in creating like extremely engaging content, but I do love being on LinkedIn. I'm there every day and still learning to be better at it. So it's what I'm trying to say is that some things have really not aligned with like my persona and how I've imagined myself interacting with, with technology in the first place, but I decided to just give it a try, give it a go. And I think it will pay. I mean, it already pays off tremendously. Like I don't have many followers perhaps on both, you know, YouTube and Instagram, but the opportunities that, that come off it already are tremendous, you know, from the podcast, through connections, through sponsorships, through organizing events. I must say that pretty much everything, all the success of my business happened through social media. So it was really worth it. And I think that's the thing. It's like sometimes you just want to acknowledge what's out there, what opportunity is and and try to do it, but also without completely losing yourself, you know. And yeah, it requires you to learn a new skill, but it's I think it's worth it at the end. Absolutely. I have a very beautiful image of what success looks like to you because I've heard it through how you lived your life today. Is there anything else that you would really love to share or add to this conversation? I loved what you said in the beginning about how you wanted to, you needed to own yourself. Yeah, it's true. We had a little conversation before we started to record just to prepare. And and you asked me sort of what, what does it mean for me to be on tangents? And I said that, you know, looking back, it's been so many different things that happened in my life that created me who I am today. It was the frustration with the system, the frustration of not fitting into the office, the frustration with CAD, the frustration with the pay. Then I went into practice and I was frustrated about profitability and my lack of business acumen. And of course, all of this was married with fear and unknown and really moving away from the traditional path of architecture much, much and much so. And I think that in all of this, the the dominant factor was I was kept asking myself along the way, who am I and what I want to do? And the one thing that I can say that this experience really gave me is it allowed me to come more to the sort of center of who Sarah is and how, what is my authentic self? What I love about myself, me about myself. And it's not coming from a place of egotism, it's more like self-love, but also like actually allowing myself more and more to to shine through that and come from that place of empowerment and self-love, you know, present myself from that place towards my business, towards people that surround me and all the opportunities that come with it. And I think that I'm very grateful for however hard the journey was to today be in a place where I'm connecting from a beautiful beach in Colombia. I'm kite surfing. I'm skydiving here. I started a pilot license this week. It's insane really following my passions, being able to enjoy that. But in the same time, also like, I love my work. I love what I'm doing, the people I'm interacting with. And I would have never even dreamt of that sort of outcome to come from an architecture school. But I think in the core of of all of it is like who you become as a person, how sometimes when you meet criticism or even dislike, because, you know, there's always people along the way that just simply don't like you. They don't like how you present yourself or who you are as a person. And that can be really 
affecting your choices and the way you see yourself. And like, yeah, of course I'm sad when that happens, but in the same time, like I never allow it to really bring me down. And I think over the years, I, I feel like all those hardships have helped me to grow, to actually live more authentically and live happier and, and define what my happiness is. And like, I think that the most important thing is that through those uncomfortable places that happen to you throughout your career that you you question whether you belong here or all that stuff when you define what you want you kind of come to your center more and that creates happiness you know and it's sort of like knowing yourself and being with that almost in the buddhist tradition that sort of is that fulfillment and coming to happiness and i really am grateful for that the most no matter the money no matter the opportunities and all that stuff that's like an external success but internally being happy with where you are is everything and I wouldn't change that for anything else and I'm just excited about what what new incredible things I can do you know I have certainly a lot of dreams still that are following from school times from university times you know either about interacting or meeting some architects or maybe you know, being in New York, organizing an event there and interacting with amazing practices there. And I know that with Disrupt, I can get there and I can't wait for this to happen. It's so exciting. But again, it's like, it's more about me living this life rather than making something happen, you know? I think bottom line is doing business, designing your career is really like a spiritual journey. The more you stand for yourself and your truth and choose rightfully for your own, like, values the more you come to like live a life of you and we need more of you not another architect that is molded to be an architect that thinks like an architect should from this university or another university because that's not unique and the world doesn't need more of that you know of that sort of machine robot that was created by a bunch of beliefs that were put into our head to think that that's you know that's how we should lead our career and live our life and I think today it's about being unique and owning your own uniqueness. And for that to happen, you need to know who you are. So the more you choose yourself along that journey, the more you know who you are, the more you can actually really live like not only your own personal happiness, but also contribute to people from that place of personal happiness. And, and that's great. It's like a really joyful experience for everyone. So I think that would be the one thing that I, I would encourage everyone and I can share is to treat those difficulties as just like an opportunity to come closer to who you truly are. So well stated, because why be another person of what you think you should be? Because the amount of joy I've had from this conversation of you living in your joy, it's great. We need more of that. For Disrupt coming up, do you want to put in a little plug for it? Sure, absolutely. There's actually a few really exciting things to yeah. say. So 8th of March, we have a full day woman edition. I'm super excited for that. Basically wanted to make it a no brainer for people to join. So we're selling tickets for that for $19 only. And the point is it's a full day stream. You can connect at any point. You can also purchase recordings later if you want to watch, but we invited women from all around the world. There are ferocious women from India that, you know, first woman started her own office in India. A woman that built bamboo airports, like massive public buildings made out of a material that you wouldn't expect to be, you know, a right fit for such a project. And, you know, she's living her passion, you know, through that sort of contribution. Um, then we have women from New York. We have incredible speakers from London 
from Europe. And, you know, each of these women is very unique in their own right. They're all business owners. They will speak to practice operations, to being a woman and architecture, what that means and how, you know, they've been empowered, but also disempowered by certain things. And you know, how they manage to navigate through all those difficulties to, to run their own practices. So this is coming on the 8th of March. And then uh, we have actually a collaboration of Out of Architecture, which is 1st to the 2nd of April. And we're doing an Out of Architecture Disrupt edition, which essentially is dedicated to people that maybe not necessarily left architecture altogether, but started to do something extremely interesting of their own accord in architecture. And that's why they inspire us. And I'm looking forward to this edition because we'll have not only people that actually work in architecture still, but also people that left architecture and became successful in other fields. And it's gonna be an opportunity to learn from them, to listen to their talks, but also as always in Disrupt, we have this interactivity, 10 minute conversation after each speaker with the speaker between audience and speakers, asking questions, having discussions through chat and live, and also networking sessions towards the end. So I'm really looking forward to all these interactions. I'm also looking forward to connect more with the community from out of architecture, which is people that are certainly looking for new ways of living and designing their career. And that is going to be really exciting because I'm extremely passionate about it. And then we have our traditional stage, which is 1st to the 3rd of May, Disrupt Symposium. And that is really the original Disrupt that we started with last year that brings to stage famous leaders of architecture practices to speak about practice operations and what makes success happen in architecture in their own definition of that. And yeah, for this uh, very edition, we have absolutely amazing lineup. We have already confirmed founder of Nieto Sobiejano, Gabriela Tarillos, China director is coming to join us, managing director of MVRDV, partner from Dealers Cofilio and Renfo. We have also partner of Big Barcelona that established the office in Barcelona. And we have a chairman of Building Smart, who is a former CEO of HOK, who wrote books about how to run practice and business operations. And also we have a partner from Tatiana Bilbao office. All these people are confirmed. There's also some secret guests coming. We're going to have 15 speakers. It's going to be a three day event and I'm really looking forward to it. We're working extremely hard to bring that forward. We're going to be launching the website soon. So the next three months are busy for us, but extremely exciting. There's going to be a lot of community, a lot of collaboration, and especially looking forward to the collaboration with Out of Architecture. I'm very excited for that. Wow, that is amazing. So exciting. I can't wait to see all of that. Hey everyone, it's Aaron from Out of Architecture. If you find these stories inspiring and are looking for guidance, clarity, or just need someone to talk to about where you are in your career, please know that we offer 30-minute consultations to talk about what may be next for you. If you're interested, head to outofarchitecture.com slash scheduling to book some time with us. Hey everyone, it's Jake from Out of Architecture. We love hearing your stories, but we know there's more out there that we've still yet to experience. If you or someone you know would be a good fit for the podcast, and has a story about taking their architecture skills beyond the bounds of traditional practice, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at tangents at outofarchitecture.com. Thanks for listening to our podcast. New episodes every two weeks. See you then.